On today's edition of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Hardwood Flooring, we're joined by Blake Lovell, the assistant editor for the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook, as we dive into college hoops, and more specifically, Vandy's recent struggles in the midst of a season plagued by a global pandemic. We also ask him about the hiring of Clark Lee on West End and the recent reports of his initial hirings after losing to Alabama in the college football playoff. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. Welcome back into The Door Report. It is episode 62 here on a Sunday evening here in Nashville. It is January 3rd, 2021. We made it to 2021. Tighten up. Will's got his Titans jersey on. Steve McNair. We'll, yes, uh, we'll touch a little bit on the Titans, but uh, real quick, we are, as always, <laughs> presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. A little bit later in the pod, we'll get Blake Lovell. Uh, here to talk a little college hoops. We'll, t- we'll kind of dive into Vanderbilt, um, kind of talking about their struggles after the loss to Florida and then touch on the Kentucky game on Tuesday night. We'll also talk about Clark Lee and his new, his, his not, I would say final, it's not, obviously not finalized, nothing's finalized, but the reported hires have, have, have got Vanderbilt fans and a lot of co- people around college football very impressed. So we'll talk about that and much more, but we'll, we got we got a lot to talk about, not as much as as a football season, but but we got a lot of basketball to kind of dive into and see where this team is right now. Yeah, we dove a lot into basketball with Blake and kind of what the problems are with this with this Commodore basketball team that's really struggling, and really every facet of the game and, yeah. and a roster that doesn't look to be set and have any sort of rhythm or rotation rotational rhythm so we dove into that with him and it's a really interesting conversation it's just been tough so far tough sledding for Vanderbilt we'll dive into it as I mentioned with Blake Lovell he's been covering college basketball for about 10 years so will not want to miss that before we get to breaking news though don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram like us on Facebook Facebook subscribe to our YouTube channel our podcast is available on Anchor iTunes Spotify and Google Podcasts and while you're at it go give our podcast five stars and a review on itunes all right it's time for breaking news today's breaking news is brought to you by the recycling dudes you may ask who are the recycling dudes well they're brothers graden and chapman and their dad drew smith who is a metro nashville firefighter living in Westmead. the recycling dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment they pick up your glass separate it and take it to be recycled They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. All right, Will, we got Florida Vanderbilt. This was, boy, this was a tough loss. It was just bad all around, and 19-point loss to a team that hadn't played a game in 19 days and was playing without their leading scorer, Keontae Johnson, who recently collapsed against Florida State. So, I mean, I we, we went into this game thinking this was going to be a great opportunity for the Commodores to take advantage of, of playing a team that hadn't played in over two weeks, losing, you know, still being kind of emotionally um, 
unstable, I guess. I hate saying that, but I mean, this team has been, they've been through a lot so far this season, but credit to Florida. I mean, they came out and pushed Vanderbilt around and was able to get the win. And, and will they just, the chemistry isn't quite there yet. And I'm trying to figure out whether this team needs more time to gel or, or what, but, but it's, it's been kind of, it's been really a confusing start to this year. Yeah, we talked about it last podcast, and I said that Vanderbilt needs to find their identity, and this was a good opportunity to find their identity outside of give Scotty Pippen the ball and get out of his way, which hasn't really resulted in, in, in many positive outcomes against no. quality teams, and it won't. And they did not show anything that proved that they are gelling or another guy's going to step in that secondary scoring role. Even Dylan DeSue did have a 14-point performance, but that's not exactly go going to get the job yeah. done as a legitimate secondary scoring threat. Yeah. Um, somebody that I do want to point out, I think you had it down in the notes too, but Trey Thomas, I definitely Ooh. said that I, I I was harsh on him last game or, yeah. or last podcast talking about <laughs> I didn't think he, he needed to be on the court with his Got to give credit to him now. So I'm going to eat my words and say shout out to Trey Thomas <laughs> for actually shooting the ball well, being one of the few guys on this Commodore roster, knocking down shots consistently. He went four for five from three-point range in some big situations um, to keep that game from getting out of hand before it did eventually get out of hand later. Yeah, I'll also say Miles Studi looks really, really mm -hmm. good. The young kid has – and every time he's been on the floor, you know, he, 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 he plays well, he plays hard, he, he shoots the ball well, and he's not afraid to shoot it either. You know, he's not hesitant. He goes up there, catches it, and shoots it. So, Studi and Thomas are guys that need more touches. You know, however Stackhouse – I'm sure he knows that, too. I'm sure, however he can get them the ball, that's what um, this team will need moving forward because they need scoring. You know, they need – you know, not necessarily – you know, they're scoring at a decent clip, but they're, they're ha they have these droughts like we talked about where they go nine, ten minutes without scoring, and, and you look at the floor, and Thomas and Studi aren't out there, and you wonder why. So, um, I think a lot of these, these – um, you know, these, these shooters, not only across the SEC, but, but guys like Studi and Thomas need to be valued. And, and, and I think, I think they will, you know, Stockhouse is kind of in desperation mode right now. You know, what, who is he going to go with in terms of, of that second, third score Studi could emerge Dylan DeSue hasn't really stepped into that. And will we talked about it score, you know, when you go nine minutes without scoring, you'll go down a lot. You'll go, you know, you're going to go down 20 points, you know, at least, you know, if, especially if you're playing a team like Florida's middle of the pack. So yeah. I, I, I mean, it, you look at this team and, and I just don't see, um, I don't see enough physicality, but not only that, I don't see enough confidence and, and just guys that want to go out there and get it. It, like, it just doesn't around. seem like Vanderbilt has an identity. And we talked about that last time, finding their identity. Are, are they a mm -hmm. defensive team? Are they a three-point shooting team? Are they a run-and-gun team, slow it down half court? We have no idea. Um, all we know is that Scottie Pippen is a legit SEC, should be a first-team All-SEC performer if he keeps playing this way, regardless of Vanderbilt's record. But you saw Stackhouse play his starters a lot more minutes this game. Yeah. Um, but you still – had no bench production at all. I think uh, I had a lot of stuff crash on my laptop right before we got on here. So I'm running a lot off of uh, I'll, I'll, pu so I'll pull the box score back up here. But I think that uh, the bench only accounted for like 13 points. Mm -hmm. um, and six of those, I believe, were Quentin Marilla Brown. So those guys on the edge, like Isaac McBride, or, mm -hmm. or, or and specifically, and he was in the starting rotation, was DJ Harvey. It was one for yeah. 10, 0 for 3 from the three-point line. They're not going to win a single game if DJ Harvey comes out 
and scores four points. They're yeah. just not. No, and no. he's a guy that is going to have to step up. It's pressure on him. He's a transfer from Notre Dame. He had high expectations coming into the year, and he simply has not performed thus far. And Stackhouse is going to have to find some guys that can come out and be ball players. And yeah. it's as simple as that. Basketball is very simple a lot of the time. There's a lot less scheming, a lot less things like that in basketball. It's just truly go out there and win the game, be better than your opponent directly in front of you. And right now, Vanderbilt has one guy that seems like yeah. he's ready to do that. And that's not going to get it done when they play somebody that's not a middle-of-the-pack team. What's going to happen when they play a team like Tennessee? Who's just, oh, my goodness. They're just running straight through every single team they play. They obliterated Missouri, who was undefeated going into that game. So Vanderbilt has a lot of soul-searching to do, or they're going to get embarrassed on the hardwood. They do, Will. And and Tennessee actually did lose to Alabama. But, I mean, that's that's not taking anything away from them. I mean, defensively, Mm -hmm. they look like absolute monsters. But – that's saying that the SEC is is has more parity than you know we might have thought. So if you can shoot the ball, you can um, you can definitely compete in the SEC. Vanderbilt's not they're not doing that right now. I don't I don't I don't think many uh, many you know many of the teams at all are doing that in the SEC. Yeah, There's, this the, was the, the big thing. That I, was, I was a little disappointed that my laptop crashed here and I lost <laughs> out a bunch of bunch of things from different Come years. On, try to remember it. Man, the trend we're seeing in college basketball overall, and I'll specifically focus on the SEC. I, I'm a big pure shooting fan. That's that's all I could do on the on the basketball court when I was playing, and so I was a huge fan of Jenkins and Tinsley and oh, guys yeah. that go out there and Riley Lachance and just bury buckets. Yep. And the SEC in general and college basketball shooting is absolutely horrendous. It's almost hard to watch. I have to turn on OVC basketball and watch Belmont. If I want to see some guys who know how to put the ball Shoot in the basket from outside of a dunk. And that's just the trend we're seeing. Uh, a consistent three-point three point jumper doesn't get you a, on a hoop mixtape or a ball is life mixtape yeah. on YouTube. That's not what they're going to be showing. And to be fair to these high school kids coming out, that's not what coaches are recruiting. They're recruiting pure athleticism, flashy playmaking ability. And you're seeing that across college basketball and guys are shooting more threes at a lower percentage. Right now, the top shooting team in the entire SEC is shooting 37% from three. And I believe there are three, four, five SEC programs shooting above 30% or below 30%. And if you look at the trend, the bottom, the bottom three-point shooting teams in the SEC, if you go back to 06, 07, 08, all those years, they're shooting a lot less threes than the top shooting teams. And that is not the case anymore. Everybody's launching a bunch of threes at a lot lower of a percentage, and it's painful to watch. And Vanderbilt's actually not even one of the worst shooting teams in the SEC. They're I middle think of the pack. Yeah, they're middle of the pack, shooting 33% this year. So it is tough to watch college basketball right now. It's brutal to watch. Um, and a lot of times it's those things that you watch it and you have to switch over to an yeah. NBA game Will, or a major game to see some good quality basketball being played. I'll say this. I think you need to step out there. Do you Do you have a fifth year left? Uh, I know you went to Tennessee Tech, but Vandy, they could use you right now uh, popping those threes. Cause yeah, I, mean, I, I talked about uh, Trey Thomas being a defensive liability. I think that I would be quite the <laughs> defensive liability out there. Hey, they need shooters, and I'm sure that's, game that, that, that's why Trey Thomas has been getting a lot more playing time, I think and will be because he can knock it down and he, he, he was four or five so um, you know we could talk about this for a while but uh, Vanderbilt again they will uh, head to Lexington and, and play Kentucky on Tuesday night and we'll, we talked about it with Blake we'll, we'll, we'll touch on a little bit more with him just previewing that game touching on it and, and where those two, two teams are six o'clock tip uh, on the SEC network there in Lexington well let's move forward though uh, on the football Clark Lee has began to compile a very 
very impressive uh, coaching staff here thus far. He's got so far Barton Simmons um, from 24-7 Sports. He's the director of scouting there. Very impressive. We'll touch in, de- in depth with all these guys, but just to touch, uh, and I, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this guy right, but I know Brechterfield. I, I doubt that's how you pronounce his first name, but it's probably someone like, something like Inoki Brechterfield. He's the, he's the D-line coach at Wisconsin. Casey Stengel, um, director of football operations, he came over from the Vandy Boys. Coach Corbin said, here you go, Clark. Uh, she will help you out. So uh, we'll talk about that. Norval McKenzie, the running back coach uh, from Louisville, played at Vanderbilt with Clark Lee. So obviously a big time hire there. Justin Lustig, also the special teams coordinator, uh, coming over from Syracuse. Will how, how about the day for Clark? I mean, he had, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I doubt he did all this today. I mean, this, these were all reported today, um, but you can tell these past couple weeks, he has been, you know, I mean, he, with these, with these happening, he's had to stay in communication. And so uh, he's like, he said, like he's talked about, he's been living this kind of double life help, you know, still helping out Notre Dame and well, not helping out. I mean, he's the defensive coordinator there. He's helping out really Vandy in, in regards to that, but um, your impressions of these guys and, and how, how kind of this staff has started to shake out because this it's looking really, really good so far. Yeah, he's doing a lot more than helping out over at Notre Dame. I mean, it's hard to say it again when you go up 31 points in a college football semifinal playoff game, but that was a hell of a defensive performance from Notre Dame. That was uh, Alabama's lowest offensive output the entire season. So it was actually an impressive performance from them. Yeah, 10 points in the second half. Yeah, especially with all the distractions surrounding that. But as critical as I've been of, of Candace Story Lee and and a lot of the empty words that I think have been had been coming out and the slow progress, I've got to give credit where credit is due. I, I'm sure she was heavily involved in a lot of these these hires, and these are legit hires. For the first time, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here extremely excited about the position coaches and directors of player personnel, and the more you look into them, the more you like the fit. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with Javon Hay. Um, I, I don't yeah. know if there's been any news happened with him, but he's a hell of a recruiter. That defensive line obviously struggled this year, but you did have, you know, his probably starting defensive tackle moved over to offensive line right before the season started. I don't know how much you can put that on him. But when you run through this list, their resumes are quite impressive. And getting Barton Simmons in there, and, and we have a good podcast if you want to listen to yep. that and you, and you missed it before, I believe it's episode 53 yep. um, with him. We go into detail when they were going through the coaching search, and it's pretty interesting now that uh, Looking he might back. have been in a little bit of talks uh, during that time was holding some information yeah. from us. We could have we broke some news. <laughs> yeah, he played it a little close to the vest there. but We'll Candace have to get him back on. It looks like with these hires that 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 commitment to athletics seems to be legit and especially that football program. And if they keep going on this route with their offensive coordinator, um, that's going to be the biggest decision and the biggest impact felt. And that's going to be one to keep a close eye on. Yeah, you touched on Barton and, and just I, I kind of, I, you know, I'm, I'm both of us have been familiar with him, you know, through the years being the director of scouting at 24 seven sports. But, it, you know, over the over the, over these past few years, you've seen it a little bit with these guys who who have been who have done so much work with these websites or, and, and, you know, even guys at ESPN. I know Travis Haney, who um, I think was at 24 seven sports. He moved over to Charlotte with Will Healy, guys who are just kind of, um, you know, do, he, he's doing a lot of marketing at Charlotte. But Barton Simmons is going to be the general manager 
that's that's kind of his title that he's been placed under and and a, a smaller obviously he's going to be the director of player personnel you know he's going to be the recruiting guru and i saw uh somewhere for some vandy fans were talking about um giving vandy some bumps in stars uh you know how he how they talk about giving yeah, always bumps talk about that to, to alabama <laughs> players but i mean that's that's honestly something to look at not not even in a joking manner but he's been working in this scouting directing world for so long that he has all these connections with coaches recruiters so really impressed by by that you know bringing in not surprise really at all I mean he he, he played at Montgomery Bell Academy with um you know also where where Clark Lee went so not surprised by that at all but will I think something to watch you touched on a little bit what happens with Javon Hay because he brought in so many of these guys from this this recruiting class that you know we talked about kind of surviving you know everything that happened with Derek Mason and they stood strong um uh, but I know Key Brechterfield I you know obviously hearing rave views about him not upset about it you know that we're not you know hating on him but for, for that will I think it's going to be something to watch because for Vanderbilt fans, I don't, I, I haven't met or heard from a single Vanderbilt fan that that will be okay with Javon Hay leaving. Yeah, uh, I have talked to a few that are. Uh, it has nothing to do with <laughs> oh, his wow. training prowess um, or anything like that. But the defensive line is stunk, and that's very simple to say. Regardless of how well he's recruited, it's stunk. Our run defense has been horrid the last yeah. couple seasons of Derek Mason's tenure, and that takes nothing necessarily directly at him, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we'll, we'll see what happens with him if he gets moved into more of a recruiting role or an assistant head yeah. coach role. But somebody I don't want to glaze over that was outside of Barton Simmons, the most impressive hire to me was uh, the special teams coordinator, Lustig. Mm-hmm. Um, he is his special teams units at Syracuse were absolutely outstanding. And oh, yeah. He was in the running for uh, what was, uh, don't have the award in front of me, the Broyles Award. Yeah, Broyles, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's pretty impressive. And that is one to keep an eye on because at Vanderbilt, how many times have we seen special teams be an oh, absolute gosh. struggle? Um, this it year? never made sense to me why Vanderbilt doesn't get – Vanderbilt, Stanford, Notre Dame don't get the best kickers and punters in the country because those guys can go get four or five years of free college. They're probably not going to the NFL. Um, there's a very, very small percentage of punters and kickers that make it because you play about 20 years if you're a good one. Yeah. So you can go and get a legit Ivy League slash SC, or at that level of education, uh-huh. um, Harvard of the South. And, and Vanderbilt should be able to recruit those top-level guys, and they just haven't. No. Uh, so that'll be something to see if that improves dramatically. Yeah, and a couple other people um, to touch on here that, again, have been reported um, to to have been hired and expected to, to take the job is Norval McKenzie, who, who was at Vanderbilt. Um, I, I forget the year he played at Vanderbilt. I forget the years he helped coach there for a couple of years, but um, he obviously played some big roles there in recruiting and obviously as a player knowing what it takes um, to be successful at Vanderbilt. And also Casey Sengel. Um, this was one of the first ones uh, to kind of be reported coming over from Vanderbilt baseball. And, you know, she's going to be the director of football operations, a pretty important job. Not Some teams don't have that job, and, and it's just kind of preference for the head coach. But, uh, again, anyone who's worked with Tim Corbin at the, at the Vandy Boys is, is obviously, um, you know, someone to trust in terms of uh, with an athletic program. You know, it, it, now, it, is, is baseball different from football? Yes, but uh, we'll see what kind of adjustment is made there. Um, but, again, what we, we're right out of time here in the first segment. We're going to have to get to Blake Level. Will, this was a fun interview because Blake, you know, he's been coming to college basketball for a while um and he gave some great analysis uh on on Vanderbilt and where they are as a basketball team right now so I think Vanderbilt fans are gonna like this I know you do too yeah he he went into a lot of stuff and and one thing he touched on where while we wrap up and go into uh the interview with him is he said you have to do things differently at Vanderbilt 
and yeah. you have to take some outside the box hires whether and it looks like they're kind of taking that approach they had some traditional hires in lustig mckenzie um and brechterfield but with barton simmons and casey stangle that's that's a little bit different type of hires that they're getting in mm -hmm. there so a little bit of shake up in there and that's what this vanderbilt program needs and then obviously stackhouse was an outside of the box hire and we discussed that in depth with him no doubt about it college hoops guru blake lovell coming up he uh he covers college basketball for the blue ribbon college basketball magazine and report there uh here in the mid-state we got blake lovell coming right up here on episode 62 of the door report presented by Alaco hardwood flooring before we get to our interview with blake lovell the assistant editor of the blue ribbon college basketball yearbook it's now time to send it over to our voiceover artist gary scales for a few words on Alaco Hardwood Flooring, our premier sponsor. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring, perfect floors, whatever your style. All right, five seconds. Welcome back into the Door Report. Alongside Will Byram, I'm Billy Derrick, and we are back here with our interview portion of episode 62, and we are happy to be joined by Blake Lovell. He is the assistant editor for the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook, as well as the Blue Ribbon Report. He's been covering college basketball, uh, mainly for the SEC, living here in Nashville for over 10 years. So um, he's the guy to talk to here in the mid-state if you want to get your college hoop fixed. Blake, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, this college basketball season has been pretty crazy. I got to ask, have you been surprised we've made it this far? <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. First of all, guys. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I am. Um, because I think we all had a lot of questions heading into it. Not exactly sure what things would look like. Uh, certainly when the season started and I mean, obviously we're still seeing it now, but you know, so many games get moved around and canceled and postponed and uh, just, just a very weird dynamic. But I think based on how last season ended, uh, we pretty much assumed that was going to happen. Yeah, no doubt. And and based on how last season ended for the team here at Nashville, Vanderbilt, there was a little bit of renewed optimism heading into this season with three uh, wins total, um, or three SEC wins, which was definitely an improvement um, after Bryce Drew was fired a couple of years ago. Blake, they've been kind of a tough, uh, tough handle this season. Will and I have kind of agreed that, you know, this is going to be an asterisk type of season in terms of Jerry Stackhouse and, and judging him. But so far, what do you think about why do you think Vandy has been struggling? I'll put it that way as much as they have this far. Yeah, I think it's, you know, when I look at it, I think obviously, like you said, there there's optimism, I think, still, despite the fact that everybody kind of looks at, at where things have been the past several years. But but I think overall, you, you see the positives, but at the same time, I think you just you look around at the rest of the SEC and you realize that, you know, this isn't necessarily trying to rebuild a program like, let's say, maybe 10 years ago in that SEC where, you know, maybe only three teams were getting in, or you really only felt like there were a couple teams that were legitimate, you know, strong national, you know, Sweet 16 type teams. But now it's like, I mean, you could make the argument that half the league is is kind of in that mm -hmm. spot sometimes. So it's much harder, I think, to rebuild. And I think that's the problem they're running into is they, they still don't have the depth. I think that some of these other teams have. I mean, they, their depth just doesn't match 
you know, what a lot of these, I think, programs around the SEC are. And that's not a knock on anyone. It's just a matter of, you know, when you look around one through seven or one through eight, you can play as many guys as you want, but uh, you have to get production out of a lot of people to be successful in the SEC sometimes, unless you just have, you know, a starting five that is just, you know, all American type. So I think that's where they're at. I mean, as we said, I mean, you know, we, we look at guys like Scotty Pippen and obviously very talented players, but you got to have more, I think overall, you got to have more consistency and, and they're just not, here, not there yet. Yeah, it seems like Stackhouse's offense is it, it kind of lends itself to more of a kind of a hybrid between an NBA and, co- and traditional college basketball style of play. And Vanderbilt has had some really talented guys. They had uh, a lottery pick this uh, most recent draft with Aaron Neesmith and Saban Lane in the second round of the Pistons. And it, it, this kind of leads into uh, what I think Billy is wanting to ask next. But it, and it looks like Scottie Pippen's kind of on that same trajectory to make it into the NBA it's it's kind of bizarre that Vanderbilt has had been struggling this much with this amount of NBA talent that we've never really seen before. And is that just depth or or lack of recruiting that quality depth? Because it's kind of hard to point to one thing on this team and say that's the hot button issue that needs to be solved. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a it's a bigger issue. Whereas, and I I saw some people making this point. And and look, uh, we can all go back and talk about Kevin Stallings all we want and sort of how things ended here, but. At the same time, I think if you want to really look at it, I mean, I think he understood what you had to do to win consistently at Vanderbilt at times. And while, yes, there were some down years there, if you look at it overall, I I think there were some spots where, I mean, hey, getting the NBA talent is great and having them is great, uh, but there's also a continuity type of thing that goes along with it. You want to get the best players you can, but, you know, from a continuity standpoint, uh, if you have a guy that comes for a year or two and then leaves, you know, then you're rebuilding kind of that spot all over again. You have to be able to recruit to a level to where you're preparing for that kind of thing. And as we've said with the depth and such, I just don't think they've been able to do that the past whatever it's been three years or so where, you know, you've had guys leave and it's just you don't necessarily always uh, have that production behind them. that's going to be able to just come right back in and and push you forward. So I think that's what it comes down to is, you know, and it is different guys. I mean, I know a lot of people want to say, you know, you can't make the excuse it's Vanderbilt and all that, but I mean, we know like it's, it's different. Like recruiting Mm -hmm. is different and it's just something that goes along with it. Um, I think that may have been something initially that, you know, Jerry Stackhouse and company, they have, they had to get acclimated to, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, let's say two years from now. But uh, from that sense, I think there, there is kind of a, a path to it being done at Vanderbilt. And, and we saw it with Stallings, you know, we saw it with coaches before that. And obviously the games change a lot over the years too, to where, you know, one and done's becoming the, the top thing with, with so many programs around the country, the top ones. But um, it's just one of those things where you've got to kind of find that balance and figure out what works best for you. And I just don't think Vanderbilt's found that, you know, over the past several years now. Yeah. You kind of touched on what I was going to follow up with there, but uh, are you kind of surprised? Obviously, Stackhouse was kind of an out-of-the-box hire, no college coaching experience, experience in the G League, and he, he seemed to be tight with our former AD, Malcolm Turner. But kind of one of the things that I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans expected was him to recruit extremely well, and that really hasn't happened yet. And, and do you think that's just the unique circumstances surrounding Vanderbilt or inexperience or, or not getting the right uh, recruiting staff in there at Vanderbilt? I think it's probably a mixture of all those, honestly, Um, because I just think it's something where until you're actually in it, I think it's really hard just to step in right away. And of course, people point to, you know, Penny Hardaway at Memphis and and guys like that. But I think at at the same time, again, it's different, right? It's uh, you're comparing different schools, you're comparing uh, different, you know, situations and such. And so 
it's, it really is hard to compare, but I think it's just a matter of once you're actually, that's what we said a few minutes ago, it's also a matter of who you're recruiting against. I mean, look at who you're recruiting against in the not SEC. Bad. No, it's not bad at all. <laughs> and it's never been to this level. And I know everybody bring up, well, you know, look at the, the potential NCAA stuff with, you know, LSU and Auburn and anyone else. Well, I mean, these guys are still coaching. So you're yeah. still having to coach against everyone that's out there. And, you know, if you throw that stuff out and you just look at it everywhere around the conference, like people are recruiting very, very well. And, um, you know, Tom Crean at Georgia, I mean, he got the number one pick in, in the draft last year. Like there's just, and they were a bottom tier team. So I think it's very hard to, to, and you have to keep that in mind. I mean, it's, it is so much different. Again, if we went back to whatever, 10 years ago, or, or even what was that? It was probably four or five years ago, I guess the SEC only got three teams in, but mm-hmm. it's like, it's so much different now um, that the league is different and you're recruiting against literally the best of the best. I mean, you can go through now and usually we're talking about in the preseason the past couple of years where, I mean, there's, you know, there's 10, eight to 10 sec teams that are probably in the top 25 in basketball recruiting. And so um, that, that's what you have to go against. And so it, it is, it's, it's a much tougher challenge. And that's why, you know, I brought up the stalling stuff and all that. It was, it was different circumstances. Now it's even tougher. Uh, if you're someone, especially like Jerry Stackhouse, who hasn't been in this spot before, uh, it just makes it that much more challenging. You touched on Kevin Stallings right there, Blake. I want to kind of go back in the, towards the beginning of his career at Vanderbilt. He, he did have a great first year. He started 19 and 11, took Vanderbilt to the NIT, and then he kind of dropped off, went 15 and 15, and it took him time. It took him time. To, you could argue up to, you know, 2003-04 season, you know, for his first – that was his fifth year. Or, yeah, that was his fifth year at Vanderbilt. So it takes time in different ways. How would you compare kind of the beginning with Kevin Stallings and you kind of touched on it with those eras and now where Stackhouse is when the recruiting is, is, you know, twice as harder, if not more, um, and, and just as stringent as, as it is, how would you compare kind of Stallings and, and how it has started with Stackhouse? Yeah. I mean, it, it's obviously tougher. And look, even when, you know, when Stallings took over, I mean, you know, look, the Vanderbilt program wasn't in a great place either, but it wasn't to, I think this level in terms of, knowing what you have to do to get at least back up near the top, like even to get into the top half now, it's so much more difficult, I think, than it was, as we said, you know, that many years ago, um, because for so long, all we talked about was it was pretty much, it was Kentucky, it was Florida, um, you know, maybe along the way there, you had a team like Tennessee or Arkansas um, or some of those others kind of pop up in that mix, but that was about it. Like they were, for the most part, the most consistent programs in the conference. But now, you know, you've got all these other teams that have kind of put themselves in a position to where you know, they have guys who can recruit. And that's why I think it is a lot more challenging. You know, I, I know, look, I know when Stallings left, a lot of people, um, personality wise and all that, I, I've always said, and, you know, some people may not like me for this, but I still think Kevin Stallings is probably a, an excellent basketball coach. Like mm-hmm. if you just had basketball when it comes to it, I think he's outstanding, and I think that, you know, sometimes when you raise the expectations like he did for several years, you know, when you got guys in there like Jeff Taylor and John Jenkins and and Festus and and all those other guys, A.J. Ogilvy, um, you know, they they won a lot of games. And I think at that point, you know, what happened was the expectations get even higher. And then when you can't meet those expectations, uh, it gets to, you know, where there had to be a parting of the ways. And, of course, we've seen since then 
Um, you know, Bryce Drew obviously struggled. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse has struggled thus far because he's kind of having to pick things up from there. Um, and so it is. It's a very challenging thing. And I think it's just something, like you said, where it's going to take time. Um, you know, we're obviously seeing this year isn't going to be the year they turn things around. I don't even think next year is going to be the year. Uh, this is a long term type of thing. And so you just have to kind of wait and see what happens. Yeah, we will see. And we'll continue to kind of monitor where Stackhouse, um, you know, is in the coaching ranks as well, because, you know, there have been some rumors along those uh, sides of things. But Scottie Pippen Jr., Blake, has has really been balling out. And and I, I told Will, I think he's he's going to be gone next year, headed to the NBA. It's just kind of seems like that's where it's going. He's second in the SEC in points per game, third in the SEC in assists per game, and he's tied for fourth the SEC in steals. So he's really been all over the place for Vanderbilt. I don't know where they would be without him. <laughs> Um, if do you do you think he's gone to the NBA next year? Are, are you kind of waiting and waiting and seeing on that how he performs the rest of this season, or you know where where, where do you stand on Scottie Pippen Jr.? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's even at this point, it's probably still you probably wait and see. Although, as you said, if you just look at how he's playing. I mean, you know, right now he'd be a first team all SEC player, I would think, in my mind. Like, again, even if with Vanderbilt struggles and, um, you know, it'd probably be hard, I guess, to put him on there if they finish last. But at the same time, if you just look at it from what guys are doing production wise, I, you know, I love Ken Palm. And right now, you know, he's third on their, on their spot in terms of the, the Ken Palm uh, all SEC team, which that changes throughout the year and it's different criteria. But, you know, to be right behind, uh, you know, Cam Thomas from LSU and Xavier Pence from Missouri, not a bad spot to be in. So, um, I mean, I think, too, with the way the NBA has tweaked everything and the G League and uh, the opportunities that they're trying to put available in. And I think also, guys, it comes down to what does the landscape look like after the season from a standpoint of, um, you know, are we still going through this pandemic situation? Um, you know, what's what are the opportunities that are out there uh, beyond some of these different things? And, you know, what, what's that going to look like for potential guys who who may not be, you know, surefire first round picks, which look, I mean, at the time of the season's over, he could be, uh, who knows? But um, I mean, you know, his dad obviously has a lot of experience with the NBA. And I think if he has the kind of season like this the entire way, um, I, the way I look at it is uh, you always want to probably leave at your highest point. Um, you know, if this guy ends up averaging, you know, 19, 20 points a game, and um, again, is probably one of the top players in the SEC, I think at that point, you're probably going to really take a hard look at your options. And and that's what we said. I mean, you know, you think about it from Vanderbilt's standpoint, if he leaves, then what? Right. I mean, look, look at everything else. It's like, well, what's next? Do you just start the whole process back over again, you know, from one position or it's just it's a hard dynamic to, to balance. And I think that's something that Vanderbilt, as we've seen um, since getting these these guys who are there one or two years um, or potentially three years, whatever. It's just not something that we've seen this program be able to to really bounce back from when they lose guys like this over the past several years. Yeah, and Scottie Pippen has obviously performed outstanding this season, but I, I always like to look at, at college teams and say that good teams have two legitimate go-to scorers and great teams have three or more go-to legitimate scorers. And right now, yeah. Vanderbilt's a bad team with one. Do you see anybody on Vanderbilt's roster that can step into that role of being the secondary go-to guy and kind of prevent these scoring droughts that have, that have been a big symptom of Vanderbilt's struggles so far. You know, and and again, this is not to knock anyone, but it's just like I don't like you just don't see anyone right now. I think you're confident enough in um, to where you just see a guy that can take over a game like he can. And like you said, I mean, that's something, you know, that's the luxury teams like Tennessee and, um, you know, some of these other teams, LSU, of course, and, you know, even a team like Missouri this year, like you have – 
multiple guys you feel like on the roster that can, if you're down two or something with a, a minute to go, um, you're not just relying on one guy. And because, you know, obviously there's five guys on the other team. If they want to put two guys on the, on the one guy uh, on your team, it's going to make everything happen. They're able to do that uh, and just try to make someone else beat you. I think that's kind of what it comes down to for Vanderbilt is you got to have somebody step up to do that. I mean, is it going to sue, you know, is it some of these other guys? Um, you know, I don't know. And I think that's, that's the problem is, you know, you can't just have one guy uh, be able to do it all. And that's where, you know, you look back at last year, a guy like Saban Lee, um, it's just, it's so much different. And, and I think it is, it becomes such a challenge uh, for Scotty Pippen just to be able to, to do this because look, we've only seen them play you know, one sec game to this point. And I think it's, it's only going to get tougher from him for him the rest of the way, because you know, everyone is coming out and he has circled five times on the opposing scouting yep. report. You know, like this is the guy. Um, and if you don't have some of these other guys that can get to that point, you know, it's just, it's really hard. And that's why I think for them, it's, it's going to be a challenge. And if you ask me right now, um, you know, are they the are they probably the team that's going to finish last in the SEC? I think looking around everybody else, um, you'd probably say probably. And I think that's the, that's again the issue uh, in terms of just not maybe having the overall depth. And it's not just the depth; it's just you just don't have enough playmakers. I think from top to bottom. Even if you look, I'll say this: like you see that some of these guys getting better. It's just you just don't have the overall playmakers that some of these other teams can sport. You know, one through four, one through five, or whatever. And I think that's the biggest problem they're facing right now. And Will and I have been talking a lot about just the lack of chemistry and, and kind of the lack of, you know, kind of playing together as a unit and, and working as a team because, you know, with, it, with this team, that's, that's the way they're going to have to win. And, and we'll see if they can do that as they go to Lexington to play Kentucky Tuesday night. That'll be a 6 o'clock tip there. Kentucky, a team that's really been struggling. Blake, this is an opportunity, like we talked about against Florida for Vanderbilt, to kind of, you know, rewrite the script a little bit. It didn't happen. So for Vanderbilt and Kentucky, these are two teams really struggling. What's it stake in this one for these two teams um, as they kind of get this SEC season going? Well, for Kentucky, uh, if you want to prevent a full-on meltdown in Lexington, uh, I think you, <laughs> you probably better win this game. Um, but no, I mean, it is. It's, it's interesting to think. Like, you look around and really – I mean, if you compare it to a lot of other teams in the SEC right now, like Kentucky's probably in that handful of teams you want to be playing, um, yeah. which is very strange to say uh, if you're the team again. That's, that's, that's so weird to say. It is, but it's like, again, and we're talking about the team, like we said, that could very well finish last or second to last in the SEC. Like you want to be playing Kentucky right now, but they're just not good offensively. And I think that's the thing you can work with if you're Vanderbilt is, um, you know, you, you at least, and look, by no means has Vanderbilt been a great defensive team, but uh, I still think at this point, you know, there's probably from a matchup standpoint, you know, you have some size, you have some athleticism. Um, so being able to play a Kentucky team that just has not found its way on offense. And you want to talk about a team that doesn't have the amount of playmakers that we're used to seeing like this Kentucky team, they got a lot of talent, but I, this just the chemistry with them, especially is not there yet. Um, you know, I don't look, I mean, the win against Mississippi state, I don't really know how much that means. I think Mississippi state's kind of a, you know, a team that's probably going to finish 10 to 14 in the SEC. Uh, so I don't know how much that means for Kentucky, but I do think it was big just for them uh, to get a win period uh, and not be, you know, one in seven. Uh, but I, I don't know, like you're also playing a Kentucky team, like we said, that uh, just by getting that win overall, uh, maybe has a little bit of momentum. Maybe this is kind of their turning point. I don't necessarily think it's that turning point we usually see with John Calipari's teams there, but 
I mean, again, I mean, if you're Vanderbilt, you've, you'd much rather play this Kentucky team than some of the others if you're trying to actually get back on track here. No doubt about that. And I know you're a basketball guy, Blake, but Vanderbilt football, on the other hand, on West End, made a big-time hire in Clark Lee a couple weeks ago. And he will actually – he'll probably – you know, we assume he'd be stepping into that role officially this week sometime. And, and with you being from the mid-state, um, you know, what are your thoughts on, on that and, and some of his early reported hirings? Because there have been a lot of um, good things being said about some of his, um, his, his, his staff members being brought in here early. Yeah, I mean, I look at it, it kind of ties into what we said earlier about, um, you know, you have to find a guy that understands what you have to do to win at, at Vanderbilt. And I think, you know, for him, uh, just the benefit of being there as a player. And uh, I think that is obviously something that helps. And uh, it's funny, guys, I can actually remember back to uh, I did some uh, work with the, the football team in 2004 uh, as the uh, I don't know, I was like one of the ball boys or whatever and just kind of helped out practice and all that stuff. And um, I think that was the last year that that he was there as a player. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's so funny to think like, it's just like, man, I feel old. Like at that point, it's just <laughs> like, this, this guy's now the head coach. Like, it's just very crazy. But, uh, but I do like, like, I think it is something where, you know, I just, I feel like it's a situation where he's coming from Notre Dame and, you know, there are obviously similarities there between Vanderbilt and Notre Dame, obviously not from a football standpoint, but just from the things you have to sometimes have to do to be able to, to kind of build, that winning atmosphere. And, and we've seen it done here before. I mean, we've seen what Bobby Johnson could do. We've seen what James Franklin did. Um, th there's ways to do it. So I think for someone like this, who at least has familiarity with the program, uh, that's a, that's a plus just because I don't think everybody that steps into this situation. Sometimes you can look at it from the outside, but I think unless you're someone, you know, obviously like you guys, like myself, who has kind of seen this for many years, um, it's just, it's a different beast and it's a different animal in the SEC. Uh, and I think at least for him, um, it is something that he's, he's at least somewhat familiar with, and maybe that's something he can play off of. Yeah, it is a completely different animal in SEC as opposed to almost any other conference, just the athletes on that field. And obviously at Vanderbilt, they don't have the same level of athletes of honestly any other SEC program. So he's coming from a Notre Dame program that, that likely had a more talented team on the field most of the time. His players were better than the guys lining up across the field. And we've seen defensive coordinators really struggle to adjust to that, yep. specifically Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee coming from Alabama, you know, it, you don't have the same level of players there. And it's even a bigger drop when you get to Vanderbilt. How big of an adjustment? I mean, I, I'm sure he he did play there and he has an understanding of that, but it's still going to be a pretty big adjustment. How big of an adjustment will that be for him? And is he going to have to change up a lot of his scheme on defense to kind of adjust to that? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a significant adjustment, I think, no matter what. Um, and obviously, there have to be some things that you change, like you said, because you are in a different situation where you're going from being the team that, you know, your your linebackers or your defensive tackles or guys like that were, were going to be, you know, the best on the field when you compare it to some of the matchups they had on offense. That's going to be different now uh, until you can kind of recruit to that level or build your guys up to the level to where, you know, you can match up with the, you know, the guys that are running backs at Georgia or Bama or uh, guys that are going in the top 10 in the NFL draft. Like, it's it's much different. Uh, and so I think it's something where, you know, it's going to take a little while again. We, we talk about it. Unfortunately, this is, aside from baseball, like, this is just the spot Vanderbilt's in right now from a basketball standpoint point of football standpoint um you know it's just you're you're having to kind of rebuild things and it's going to take a little time to do that uh i think at the same time you know hiring i know there was something that people kind of looked at and said well 
you know, you just went from hiring the defensive coordinator at, at Stanford to hiring the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Uh, feels like a pretty similar situation, and everybody's getting a little worried about that. That's why I think, you know, the offensive coordinator hire to me is going to be the big thing here because, um, you know, I've always said, like, you've you've got to find a way to do some things different at Vanderbilt. And we saw that with James Franklin. Um, there was a time where we saw a little bit of that with Bobby Johnson when they were having success. And that's what they've got to do. I don't think they can just sit here and run, you know, a bland offense or something that a lot of other – like, they've got to find a way to do some things different. That's the only way they're going to win in the SEC. Uh, yes, it's nice to stop people, uh, and they're going to have to do that. But at the same time, if you can put up some points consistently, like, that helps you to where you don't have to be, you know, a juggernaut on defense – uh, so I'm very curious to see what they do on that because I think that's going to be uh, one of the biggest things for sure because you just have to find a way to do some things different uh, on offense to be able to go up against, you know, we could also talk about the talent on the defensive side in the SEC. Uh, there's also a lot of uh, talent's going to be going to the top part of the draft too. So, Yeah, just a little bit of talent there. Uh, we'll, we'll, be, we'll continue to monitor what Clark Lee is able to get done and in terms of his potential uh, here in Nashville. But, Blake, thank you so much for taking the time for talking a little bit of hoops and football here with us today. And uh, obviously good luck with your coverage throughout the uh, entire college, fo- college basketball season. Thanks a lot. You got it, gentlemen. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Well, that does it for episode 62 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Big thanks to our good friend Blake Lovell, the assistant editor of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. He's been covering college basketball for over 10 years here in the Mid-State. And- big focus on the SEC, but he's a college basketball guru, so it's always good to talk college hoops. We also touched on a little bit of the Clark Lee hiring on West End, so it's always great to catch up with Blake saying so long alongside Will Byram, Blake Lovell, I'm Billy Derrick, and you've been listening to episode 62 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Hardwood Flooring.